0: What is up everybody? Welcome to episode 3 of the Inside D3 show. I'm your host Morgan Cheatham. Thank you guys again for joining us. Uh, Be sure to follow us on our website at InsideD3.com. Follow us on our Twitter and Instagram at D3 Inside. Also follow us on our YouTube at Inside d 3 athletics And we're also on Spotify and Anchor now so you can listen to our podcast of the show just in case you don't want to see my pretty face every week. So you can find us there on Inside D3 Show. So let's welcome our guest today, Sean Medeiros. Sean, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing good, man. Thank you for coming on the show for us.
1: Appreciate you having me.
0: Absolutely. So Sean is a sports information director at Endicott College in Beverly, Massachusetts. Um, He's also the first president of the D3SIDA, Sports Information Directors Association. He's also a member of the Mentorship Committee and the Young Professionals Committee of the College Sports Information Directors of America, or COSIDA. So, you got your plate over there, Sean. It's,
1: it's a little bit, but it's all fun. It kind of keeps you engaged, uh, you know, especially when you're just working a lot of sports from from day to day. Uh, kind of gets your brain creatively going in a different aspect. So, um, it does sound busy um, in some ways. In some ways, I think uh, it's good for the mental health of everything to kind of uh, mix things up and, and think a little bit more outwardly about what you're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So talk a little bit about your story and kind of your journey of how it got how you got to, you know, division three athletics. You know, what were you doing beforehand? What kind of schools were you going to? What kind of like professional and athletic experience did you have?
1: Yeah, so I'll start back in high school, I guess. Um, you know, wanted to be a sports broadcaster. We had a, a really tremendous um student-run TV uh, organization called Fred TV, Fall River Educational Television. Um, so I did a lot of broadcasting there, went to college with that in mind at Bridgewater State University. Um, around my junior year, I kind of figured that it would be really hard to break into the sports broadcasting world, um, just learning the, the experiences from other people that I had met, how long it takes, um, and, you know, you have to consider certain things like paying your bills. Um, so, you know, I started to wonder where I could use my skill sets differently uh, started doing some journalism. I had done that all throughout high school and college, working on the student newspaper. Um, but one of my really close friends, even to this day, uh, was eventually the SID at Worcester State University. And he kind of you know, told me, maybe this is something you should do, you should consider it. So after graduating from Bridgewater State, probably had like a, a gap year, maybe of like a year, year and a half of uh, working at the Boston Globe, being a high school track and field and cross-country coach. Um, I I ran in high school, decided not to run in college, so it was nice to get back to that for a little bit. Uh, Then I was fortunate enough to become the graduate assistant sports information uh, um, person at Castleton State University, which is in uh, Vermont. So from there, ended up going to Stonehill for a year and a half, did four years of summer baseball doing their media relations and social media broadcasting. So that was a huge help. And then transitioned that to Wheaton College as my first head SID uh, position, which was kind of nuts thinking back on it. Um, It was a mid-year hire for them. So my first weekend was hosting an NCAA women's soccer uh, pod uh, while also working at Stonehill during their their basketball season um, and women's volleyball season was one of my sports. And the cross-country teams there, um, if people from the New England region are, are listening, they definitely know how strong the Stonehill uh, track and field and cross country programs are. So always nationally ranked. So there was a lot going on. It was definitely a whirlwind. Um, loved my experience at Wheaton and Stonehill. And then now I'm in year five at Endicott. Um, really love, you know, having a campus that has, you know, three beaches on it and, and a ton of winning programs. And uh, like you said, in the open, we're, we're not too far from uh, Boston. We're like 45 minutes away uh, being in Beverly. So that's, that's a huge plus as well. Um, so it's been a lot of fun and a lot of learning in each, in each stop, but I've really enjoyed every part of it.
2: Yeah,
0: it's awesome. It's a long journey from what I'm hearing. So it's, it's, it's amazing that you have come to this point. So talk a little bit about your Sports Information Director position and just kind of what you guys do on a daily basis as Sports Information Directors.
1: Yeah, so great question. Uh, so I, I would say for one thing, our, our job is never the same on a day-to-day basis, uh, never the same. Generally speaking, we're writing press releases on the student athletes, any news items about the athletic department, updating the website, maintaining it. Um, Obviously, responsible for statistics, getting those to the NCAA, getting those to other schools, running live stats, running the broadcast. We'll train broadcasters, we'll train students to do stats. Um, We're responsible for social media, Uh, we're covering 21 varsity teams and seven club teams. So maybe a little bit different uh, sports information role for some other people. uh, But we treat our club sports like varsity sports. So we actually have, in the last two years, we've had our roller hockey team win a national championship and our dance program win a national championship uh, this past winter. Um, So they get treated exactly like you would treat a football or a a hockey or anything like that. Um, So we try and give everyone equal coverage between social media, the website, And uh, and all that stuff. So it's kind of a a job that you're running a lot of skill sets. You're one day you're a journalist. One day you're more of a PR person. The next day you're uh, sometimes, unfortunately, the I.T. person for people in the department um, because you're running around like setting up cameras and setting up computers and things like that. Um, But I think the best part about the job is really the the aspect of getting to know the student athletes and who they are as people and, and helping them along in any small way that you can. And then building those relationships with coaches is awesome. I don't think that uh, working in sports is, is tough at all in terms of, like, the enjoyment part of it. And, and it's not super stressful at the end of the day. There's obviously people, especially right now, doing some incredible things that are um, a little bit more serious. Uh, so try and take that approach day to day that we're, we're here to have fun and, and really enjoy what we're doing, working with the athletes and coaches and telling their stories.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's definitely different to hear that. You know, a lot of the club sports are on that same level as the varsity sports. You don't really, you know, hear about that a whole lot, especially at the D3 level. So I kind of, that kind of segues into my next question, which was, you know, how does your day to day job kind of differ from other divisions, even just like D1 and D2 divisions? You know, how do they kind of differ from you as an SID and a D3 school?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, at our level with our staff, so it's myself, my graduate assistant, Anthony Rinaldi, and then we have our men's volleyball coach. Um, he also doubles down as a secondary duty as working in Sports Info for the, the fall. So he works with women's soccer and women's volleyball. I think one thing that's different is that um, we try and spread the sports out so that different people are covering different sports, but it's, it's still small enough where we end up covering everything together as a group. Uh, D1, you definitely see a lot of, you know, SIDs who are only working with three to four sports max, and they're not worried about necessarily the, the other day-to-day aspects of those other programs, even though our sports are split up. Uh, for example, like I'll have football, and um, generally I have cross countries in the fall, but um, – and then club sports – We'll, we'll end up helping each other out in all those avenues uh, because our biggest goal is to just make sure that we're taking care of all the programs as best as we can. So we try not to, to silo it a little bit. Um, when I was at Stonehill, you kind of had the same thing um, in some aspects, but more or less it was split into two people and you just took care of what you needed to take care of. Um, at we in I was one of one. <laughs> so I was the person doing all of the sports there. So I've kind of carried over that mentality into into our department. You know, if, if Anthony needs help writing a press release for one of his programs, I'll take it. If I don't have anything on my plate or vice versa. Um, and the good part about our staff is that our, our men's volleyball coach is a coach. So he gives us a different point of view on what we should be doing or what we shouldn't be doing, how we should be messaging things. Um, so we always have like that recruiting angle uh, side to things, which is awesome to have in our, our department. Um, so those would be the biggest differences. Um, that D1, you're always seeing those splits. Um, I, I wish we could have some of the personnel that they have to have graphic designers and things like that. Uh, we're sort of doing that all in a house on our own, um, but it creates it creates some fun in the job and learning those processes instead of just being like, okay, we'll uh, we'll email for that graphic and get it in a couple of hours from the team. Um, so we're all we're all learning, all doing our best in that regard. But that's how it's kind of uh, different from D one, D two, and D three.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's always good to kind of have those skills just in general. Just to kind of make sure you have them just in case something goes on. So definitely good to have. Mm-hmm. So um, I know we talked a little bit about COSIDA earlier in the intro, but tell us a little bit about what that is and you know what you guys offer to college athletics.
1: Yeah, um, so it's the national governing body of, of sports information directors pretty much is, is the, the layman's term of it. Um, so the, one of the big selling points for COSIDA is the Academic All-America program. So student-athletes who have above a 3.3 GPA and meet certain sports-specific requirements are eligible to be voted upon to be All-District and All-American candidates. Uh, you've had certain athletes like Mike Lowell, Payne Manning. Um, I know there have been some crazy All-Americans um, that are NASA astronauts and things like that within those programs. Um, so it's pretty cool to recognize the student-athletes that way. Uh, the other thing is it's really educational. So a lot of the sports information directors lean on that on that governing body to to learn about the profession, keep the profession uh, in the public sphere, um, and let people know what we're doing. Uh, there's a lot of lot of really really talented people in the organization, um, and it's cool to be able to showcase their stories and what they do. Um, but again, it's it's a huge learning tool and learning experience. There's a lot of educational materials that are put out by the organization, um, but. Like I said, that biggest one is that Academic All-America program. It's something that I know they're super proud of, um, and it's it really allows the ability to shine the light, a positive light on a lot of student-athletes and what they're doing outside of athletics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's super important. Um, so I know you won the Rising Stars Award, the COSADA Rising Stars Award in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, just tell us a little bit about what that is and you know, how it's earned.
1: Yeah, so it's basically... Um, it's, it's awarded to one university division and one college division sports information or athletic communications person who has 10 years or less of experience is kind of viewed as someone who's, you know, rising in the profession through their positive work um, and maybe their impact. Like um, the gentleman from Indiana who won it, he's super involved in the community service aspect of, of the CoSIDA organization, uh, and he does such a tremendous job in that area. Um, so he was, he won it for, for not only that, but his skill sets and how he, uh, you know, performs on the job. Um, I think, I guess you would say from my angle, um, you know, one of the things that I really push is really advocating to promote the academic side of student athletes. And I think that's probably a little bit different on the D3 level. So that's probably something that stood out, uh, on my end. Um, but, you know, was super grateful to win it, didn't really expect to win it or think that I would be, you know, in a good shot given the amount of people that are in the college division and the work that they do. So I was very humbled by by that. Um, it's something, you know, in terms of like goal setting, and, and I don't know how you do it on, on your end, Morgan, but like that was kind of on my list to to maybe try and achieve that. Um, so it was awesome to be able to do that. But that was one of my long-term goals to, to be able to accomplish that. Um, it certainly didn't come without a lot of help from a lot of other people who have definitely had a, a huge impact on, on what I've, I've been able to do. Um, and a lot of the credit goes to them because a lot of the philosophies that I've built within what we're doing at Endicott is, is through them. Um, so it was just really humbling and an awesome experience. And then being able to go to CoSIDA and accept the award with uh friends was was pretty awesome
0: yeah great congratulations for that thank you so what other awards exist as far as cosida goes that you know other people may not
1: know about so there there's obviously you know your general hall of fame you know awards um there's other awards for community service involvement for being a trailblazer uh in the profession either you know from the skill set of like what you do or or other areas, there have been uh, some award winners lately that have won awards because they've been able to uh, break through some social barriers uh, within the profession and with uh, with in general. Um, so there are a lot of awards like that, like you would normally see um, in any other in any other situation. People who um, you know, twenty five service uh, year awards, things like that. Um, but they they can be super specific based on. Certain things um, I think the Trailblazer award is is probably the one I think is the the coolest um, because you learn a lot about people beyond what they do as sports information people and how they've really been able to break a lot of barriers within the profession and even outside of it socially and personally um, so that was that was really cool for me um, I know they also give out an award that honors um, media outside of sports information so I believe. Two years ago, the ESPN uh, game day for football, that crew, um, was honored. And it was cool because ESPN brought not only the talent, but they brought people who had worked on the, on the, um, the game day show on that, that Saturday morning, uh, people who were producers, uh, camera people, all that type of stuff. So it was awesome to see, um, the people behind the scenes get honored too. So, um, They've had so many, so many honorees that do wonderful things inside uh, media relations and, and sports communication. So it's a pretty cool event when they put that on.
0: Okay. So um, I know that, you know, obviously sports information, you have to have a lot of campus involvement. That's really a big part of, you know, making sure that you guys get a lot of people coming to all the athletic events and supporting. And I know you guys came up with the Endicott experience, which was, you know, something that was really highly regarded and you guys even presented it, you know, at the convention and things like that. So talk a little bit about what the Endicott experience is and, you know, what you guys did for that.
1: Yeah, so as I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, but uh, we really wanted to make sure that we were promoting the academic side of, um, of our athletes so I'm, I'm pretty keen on, on making sure for one instance, we don't use the word player or players uh, in recaps or in messaging. Uh, everything is student athlete and it's not um, something I really waver on that we wanna use that term as much as possible. Um, so the one unique thing about Endicott is uh, in order to graduate most majors, except for maybe nursing, because it's more clinical based, um, you have to have three internships, one of them being a semester long internship so we, as a staff, when I first got there, were like, this is a huge opportunity to promote our athletes, get content out there that people normally wouldn't see or know about. Um, so we hammer home those internship experiences as best as we can. Uh, anything from student-athlete takeovers on social to Q&A, press releases, to uh, features. Um, we expanded that to study abroad articles um, to really pump out, you know, what it, what it means to be an Endicott student-athlete. So like if you were looking at us as a college and you wanted to, you know, maybe run or you wanted to, you know, play a sport or whatever, um, you know that it's not just the athletic side. When you come on our website, you see all that other stuff. So it was a it was a goal to help out admissions and their thought process and how they're recruiting, uh, and our coaches too, because then you know if you're a coach and you email a student athlete and you have a couple of links in there that parents can read about, oh, okay, like you know, ex student athlete went and did an internship at this place. Um, maybe it hits home a little bit better. One of the the more fun internship pieces we did was on a uh, baseball student athlete who ended up actually interning at the MLB network. Um, and he was talking about his experiences meeting like John Smoltz and, and all those type of guys. And it was really cool to see how his experience was uh, was received. And, you know, that even helps us maybe not in his sense, but if there's a student athlete that maybe is not playing all that much, maybe they're a role player, um, you know, we're promoting them in a different angle. So it's, it's pretty cool. So uh, we usually promote in kind of segments. So we'll have a lot of internship pieces in the fall. Then we'll take a break, do it again in the winter. Once we get the data from our internship and career service. And then in the spring, we'll kind of, do some stuff about internship study abroad, and then really talk about the graduates. Um, it's, we do a thing called Gulls Graduate because um, we're the Gulls. So just kind of work on that alliteration a little bit. Um, so that's kind of what we do. So we build all of that into uh, the content um, schedule that we have around the games and around uh, hopefully some championships. Uh, we've been lucky enough to, to win quite a bit. Uh, so we have that natural stuff built in um but it just kind of helps break up the monotony of like here's another game did they win did they lose um and it and it allows us to showcase to people outside of athletics like what our student athletes are actually doing i think and maybe you could speak to it too but there's sometimes a stigma of people just thinking that athletes are just athletes and they don't do anything else um so our goal was to t- sort of maybe break that stigma with some of our professors or some of the outside people who don't think that you know they're focusing on the academic side. Uh, so it's been really, it's been really fun project. Um, you know, we've, we've definitely segmented it um, differently every year as best as we can um, just to keep it fresh. But, yeah, like like you said earlier, it was, it was really cool to speak at the NCAA convention and, and CoSIDA about doing that. I think um, not a lot of schools are doing that. I think a lot of schools are worried about, you know, flashy graphics or video highlights and things like that. So we wanted to do something a little bit different that maybe caught the eyes of people. Um, And I think it's, I think it's done that for the most part. Uh, So that's been, that's been pretty awesome. And then that's another way to get to know the student athletes when you have them come in your office and you're not asking them about, you know, the game they played. You're, you're talking to them more as, as a human really like, okay, so what was your internship experience? Did you like it? Did you not? It helps build relationships with those student athletes when they start coming in your office, just randomly to, to talk and hang out. That's, that's probably the biggest win of anything.
0: Yeah. I think that's a, Honestly, a honest a great idea. I think a lot of other schools should definitely start doing that. I feel like there's such a disconnect between just student athletes and you know what they're doing on the side or what they're doing you know as far as their career goes, and a lot of people don't really know about that. So I think that's a huge draw, especially for kids coming in to see that oh we have to, we have to be actively involved. You know, not only just as student athletes, but also you know as students first. So
1: yeah, that's and I didn't even push. I didn't even mention the community service aspect of it actually until you just, uh, kind of not, not brought it up, but it made me think, but yeah, we'll, we'll do a lot of community service based articles too. Um, and a lot of publicity around that as well. So that's also built into that, that sort of content deck, if you will, um, just so they can see what, what our kids are doing.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, I want to just talk a little bit about you for now. So, uh,
1: okay.
0: let's talk a little bit about, you know, what if some of your, ultimate like you know, career aspirations or what you want to see in the future, whether that's for Endicott Athletics or for yourself, anything like that?
1: All right, well, I'll start with the Endicott Athletics part. Uh, I'd love to see us win a, a varsity national championship in a sport. That would be awesome. Um, I, I honestly thought we had a really good shot to do that this winter um, before everything got canceled, unfortunately. Um, so hopefully someday while I'm there, that'll happen. Um, in terms of career goals, I feel like that's always changed. Um, you know, I'm in a great spot right now where I am. I think eventually I'd like to be an assistant AD of some sorts. Um, so that's probably the next goal. And then beyond that, I haven't really, um, I haven't really ventured too far. I've always wondered what working in professional sports would be like. Um, I've always wondered what working at a D1 school would be like, but, um, I, my fear would be losing the connection with the student athletes on a broader scale. Uh, so that's what always brings me back. So, I've worked at D2 at Stonehill, uh, obviously of the D3 experience, um, but that would be my biggest fear is losing that that aspect potentially. Um, so we'll kind of see where that goes. Um, but, you know, time will tell us. We're kind of in this craziness right now. Everyone's just trying to figure out a lot of things. Um, but, but we'll see. Um, in terms of uh, anything else other than Endicott, um, you know, like to expand our staff a little bit and and uh be able to do a little bit more uh than we do now but i think we do a pretty pretty good job with what we have so we'll continue doing that um and then yeah i think i think that pretty much sums it up i don't think i missed anything in your question no. i can't remember at this point i, I think you
0: did. <laughs> no i think you covered just about everything um definitely wish you the best on that for sure um so last question before you go what was it that drew you to division three athletics specifically you know, I know you've been around to a lot of different, you know, colleges and had a lot of different experience and a lot of different divisions. So what made you choose D3? right? for you?
1: So I think in the in the first part of it, I got a little bit lucky starting off at a D3 at Castleton um, with the GA position. Um, I, I assume most college graduates go through this, but when I was applying for jobs, I didn't really have the like traditional SID experience when I first started. I, I was more a journalism broadcast person. Um, so, so I started, um, I started keeping a log of all the jobs that I had not, um, you know, been lucky enough to get offered. Uh, and that, that log got a little bit depressing once we hit the uh hundred plus <laughs> plus,
0: plus? Uh, part.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was applying for, for everything under the sun just to try and get my feet wet. Um, and it didn't, it didn't work out all that well, but then was lucky enough to land the Castleton gig. And I think, I think I honestly just fell in love with the D3 atmosphere while I was there, so um, kind of a, a fun little part of the story. But when I first started at Castleton, it was their first ever year of football, um, so they had never had a football program. So I got to see um, the beginning of a football program from start to, to finish, really, and um, high school football in Vermont is huge. So once a school around Castleton's area added college football, I mean, I wish you could have seen like the the crowds the first year and second year, unbelievable, like 4,000, 5,000 people in the stands, like very small. Um, my roommate in graduate school was the marching band graduate assistant. So they were just starting up a marching band program. So like everything was new and fresh and people were really energized. Um, and then I just sort of fell in love with the, the feel of, of a D three athletics program, how people operate, how people were with each other. Um, so the, the Stonehill part was, you know, a place to better myself in terms of my skill sets because my boss there, Doug Munson, he's been, you know, at the profession for a very long time, extremely skilled um, in a lot of areas, and I learned so much from him. Um, but like you said, I kind of, you know, I kind of just fell back into the D3 world with the Wheaton job and and never really have left since just because of, um, you know, the the philosophy of, of D3 about basically being able to be like a whole person and and... Um, you know, be able to do study abroad, be able to do internships, be able to also be an athlete, but, you know, have time for everything. I think that's, I think that's the coolest part. I, I would imagine there's a lot of pressure at D1 on, on student athletes in a lot of areas, not that there isn't in, in D2 and D3, um, but I got to imagine the magnitude is, is much different in um, the feel. And, you know, I don't know how that atmosphere would be for me on a daily basis. I think it'd be interesting um, potentially to find out somehow, but um, yeah, the D three world is just awesome. I think the student athletes are, are maybe a little bit different minded. Um, and I appreciate that, that, that mindness that they have or that mindset. Um, so yeah, D three just kind of fell in love with it. Love the people, um, you know, and the competition is great too. Um, there's a lot, a lot of games and a lot of athletes that I've worked with that have been really awesome. Um, one of them being uh, track athlete uh, Ashante Little at Wheaton, like seeing her win a national championship was pretty awesome. Um, and then she basically her senior year tried to, <clears throat> she tried to win like a national championship for the school, almost on her own um, being ranked in like the top two in like four events. And um, they had two relays and a high jumper. Um, so it was cool to see that experience of those student athletes try and go out there and win maybe with, I think they had seven athletes total that they brought six or seven and um, so, yeah, the, the people have just always been great at the D3 level and the student-athletes, so it's hard for me to, you know, maybe uh, go away from that because of all of those uh, components.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think d is lucky to have you, for sure. Um, appreciate that. You don't, hope you don't leave, man. <laughs> don't leave us.
1: Don't, don't have plans to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's all we got for you today, Sean. Uh, thank you again for joining us and talking with us for a little bit, man. Uh, we definitely appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. Um, you know, hopefully uh, episode three is, is three of many. Um, enjoyed this series so far, so keep doing what you're doing. It's pretty awesome to, to be able to give uh, people a spotlight that maybe might not get a chance. So I appreciate that.
0: Thank you so much. We, we definitely appreciate it. Hopefully we can get some more episodes out soon. So we're definitely looking forward to that as well. So that's all I got for you guys today. Um, again, thanks, Sean. Uh, follow us again on our website, insided3.com. Our Twitter and Instagram is at d3inside. YouTube is inside D3 Athletics. And our Spotify and anchor, the Inside D3 Show. So, once again, I am Morgan Cheatham. This is the Inside D3 Show, and we are signing
2: off. Hello everyone and welcome back to the D- Inside D3 mascot of the week. I'm Inside D3 reporter Sam Vibrock here and last week I did the Webster University Gorlocks to this week. I'm going to do the Oberlin College Yeoman. Yeoman, what is a yeoman? Um, a yeoman is um, an abbreviation for ye old men, And men and it's supposed to uh, symbolize uh, a fighting warrior at Oberlin College. But recently, in 2014, the department decided to welcome a squirrel mascot. It's an albino squirrel and it has been a part of the college's university history dating back to the 1970s. It has become an endearing icon of this school. Often found at Tappan Square, the squirrels have held a special place for the hearts of many Obies, That's the uh, abbreviation for uh, Oberlin students. The local folklore is that you can see one of the albino squirrels on campus and you will have a good luck. You will have good luck in your day. But the yeoman actually came back um, in 1886 and that's when the officially that's when they officially adopted that nickname, the Yeoman. The women are also called the Yo Woman, uh, but that wasn't adopted before 1973. So this, this person that created it is also part of like the board of directors as well. Um, and like I said, a Yeoman is supposed to be a, um, an abbreviation for Ye Old Men, uh, which is uh, about a fighting warrior. Tune in next week as we spotlight a new college mascot. My name is Sam Vibrock, recording for Inside D3.